On my left, a man who became interested in history when he first looked into the mirror and realised he had nothing to look forward to. It's Irish Gabriel. And on my right, a man who's so vain he thinks this introduction is about him. It's English Gabriel. Did you understand what I did there? Yes. Okay. It was it was like a reference. And <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to give thanks to anyone, Gil? Uh Yes, just a, a quick thanks to... Uh, Maynard Art and Design for providing the or part of the art for uh, last week's cover. Okay. We uh, I couldn't do it uh, last week because it was recorded, but uh, please check out last week's uh, post for links. If you want to contact us about this show or anything else, drunken time travel at gmail dot com at drunk time travel on face face Twitter and yeah. Facebook on Twitter face. Yes, rearrange those in words that make sense. Says you. Our official tedious link bear is Pyramid Hefeweizen. Yes, that is correct. Which we shall talk about a little later on. But our story today is the Abominable Snowmen. Is that what this is called? This is this is the this, title. This, this is, is what the one is known that as. we are doing. This is the one we're doing. The one that it is doing is us. Okay, shall we do this then? Please, Mr. Synopsis, won't you speak? I shall thusly speak. Episode 1, The Big Fended Beast, is what I shall call it. We open at a camp on a rock face with Travers and John. Upon seeing a giant hairy creature and faced with the eternal hormone response choice, Travers opts for flight, whereas John, not quite getting the choices, Oops for fright, and is duly killed like the pathetic creature he is. Back in the TARDIS, the Doctor is delighted to discover they've landed on the Tibetan side of the Himalayas. Donning a giant fur coat and taking a bell, he goes outside where he won't possibly get mistaken for a giant hairy creature. Q. James spotting a giant hairy beastie on the scanner, completely different from a giant hairy creature, which was actually the Doctor. A real giant hairy creature, however, watches the Doctor from a distance, that distance appearing to be within arm's reach almost, as he discovers the camp and a dead body, but not the giant hairy creature that just tripped over him because they were that close. How close was that? That close. Interesting. The Doctor then makes it to a nearby monastery where he finds some monks accompanied by Travers. He gets mistaken for the giant hairy creature that killed John earlier and is thrown into a cell. Travers reveals that he's on an expedition looking for friendly neighbourhood yeti. Victoria and Jamie, who's now armed himself with his sword, find a cave with rooster pots in. They eat all the porridge, sleep in all the beds and steal a giant silver ball. When the friendly yeti returns, all he wants to do is give them a big hug. But Jamie, being too manly for that, gets out his sword and the now angry yeti breaks it in two. <laughs> the moral of this story... If you're going to be breaking into caves, make sure it's not a Yeti's home you're breaking into. Episode 2. Happily hairy after. <laughs> All the puns. The Yeti, now annoyed at being threatened in his own home, starts to fight back, but the intruders knock down a support beam and the roof comes crashing down over him and they run away leaving him to die. They didn't even call for an ambulance or anything. 
Jamie and Victoria bump into Travers and manage to convince him there actually was a giant hairy creature and they will show him where he is if he takes him to the doctor. At the monastery, Chrisson, trying his best to replicate King Kong, orders the doctor to be tied up as bait as the monastery no, sorry, at the monastery door while his men lay in wait for the Yeti. Before he manages to give the bell to Tony who Tony? Yes. Tony. <laughs> Tony the monk. But before this he manages to give the bell to Tony, who takes it to the abbot. Speaking with uh, Pandas, uh, the ancient spirit guide, he is ordered to release the doctor, as the spirit knows the doctor from before. What was his name? Padmasambhava. He is ordered to release the doctor, as the spirit knows the doctor from before. The abbot tells Tony to tell Chrisson, the abbot told him to tell Chrisson to release the doctor. Then the abbot Darrow rounds Tony into forgetting the spirit guide. Somewhere Chakotay weeps. Padma Sambhava then goes on schizo and starts talking to himself. The new evil Padma Sambhava suggests that the doctor might not agree with their plans, so the good Padma Sambhava suggests it might not be a good idea if the doctor leaves as soon as possible. Coming down from the mountain, Victoria and Jamie spot the doctor tied up when Tony appears and orders Chrisom to release him. Jamie shows the doctor the stuff he's stolen from the cave and puts it on the floor. The Yeti, which survived the cave in earlier, has now brought the boys with him, but the doctor sees this as the perfect opportunity to add insult to injury and capture the innocent, friendly Yeti that just wants his stuff back. The next thing he knows, he's trapped in a net, strapped to a table, and his chest cut open. Wait, he's a robot. How did he not know he was a robot? As the doctor stands there looking at the empty cavity of the robot Yeti's chest, a metal sphere that dropped during the fight starts bleeding. The stolen sphere on this floor beeps back and starts rolling. The moral of this is, crime sucks if you're on the receiving end. Some other things, well, yeah, I was going to say some other things suck if you're on the receiving end, but I can't even work how that would work. What things are we talking about? <laughs> Sex gaff. Uh-huh. But I, I don't that? know I don't know that. What's that gaff? Well, when, when two people love each other very much, ask Malcolm Tucker. Episode 3. The Pied Piper of Tibet. Someone's called the Ghostbusters, which in Tibet consists of Rinchen and Sapan. They're busy building a ghost trap around the Yeti out of threaded beads. Let's hope they don't cross threads. <laughs> Gosh, making the references. The Doctor and Jamie go looking for the robot Yeti's missing control unit, but Chrisson won't let them go outside, and Victoria deduces that the silver spheres are the control units. With the one on the floor now missing, Chrisson then decides they can go out to look for a sphere, but only if he's there to hold their hands. Once outside, Chrisson spots a sphere on the floor, then he looks up. A Yeti's looking at the same sphere. The Yeti looks up and sees Chrisson. They both look down at the sphere and then back at one another. Both know. But who's going to make the first move? Chrisson concentrates. He sees the Yeti glance back at the sphere. This is his opportunity. He dashes for the sphere and gets there first. But before he can take it and return, the Yeti, it is, the Yeti is upon him and overpowers him, claiming the sphere for himself. Then turns back to one of his friends and shouts, I've got the ball back, Rich. Back in the... Um, 
somewhere someone's playing chess with yeti pieces and the real life robot yeti follows the movements padma let's call him pad Padme. yeah why not okay no i'll call him Pad. pad gives the abbot a small pyramid and tells him of the great intelligence wandering in space if he is to place the pyra- this pyramid in a cave, the great intelligence can be given form. The abbot heads to the cave with the pyramid, and all the yetis follow behind him. The sphere familiar has been rolling all this time, and has found his way to the inactive yeti in the ghost trap. It rolls into place in the chest cavity and awakens, frightening Victoria who is nearby. The more this is, the monster always comes back to life when you think he's dead. Episode 4 The Not So Great Escape The Yeti breaks free of his ghost trap and chases Victorian Tomney into the courtyard where all the warrior monks are. Putting up about as good as a fight as Loki did against the Hulk, Victoria opens the gates and lets it out. See, all it wanted to do was go out and play. If these people don't watch out, these Yetis might start getting nasty. Victoria's punishment for saving everyone is to be thrown in the cells. Back at the cave, the abbot, observed by Travers, enters the cave and leaves the pyramid on a pile of spheres like some sort of Tate Modern gallery piece. It even glows too. Once he's left, Travers goes in. Not to see what he's being up to, but because on Doctor Who, everyone must go into a cave. Travers startles the pyramid though, and in shock, it screams, opens up and spills goo all over the floor. Unable to take it, Travers turns and runs. When he returns to the monastery, he faints before he can tell anyone what he saw. At the TARDIS, the Doctor and Jamie spot a Yeti standing guard outside it. After a rock-throwing scientific experiment, they decide it must be on a shift break or something, and they walk up and remove the control sphere before it clocks back into work. Then he gets a tracking device from the TARDIS so he can trace the origin of the control signal for the spheres. Victoria scrapes. Victoria escapes from what will surely be the last, least secure prison cell by using the old feigning poison trick to distract the guards. Pad tells the abbot that the great intelligence says everyone must leave the monastery. Obviously he doesn't mean immediately as they decide to put the doctor and Jamie in a cell with Tomney. I don't think they even know why, they just like having someone in cells I think. Then they go looking for Victoria who is presently passing the sanctum. So Pad invites her in. She has no alternative. I assume he doesn't get many female calls. Tip of the episode. When confronted by burglars, just open up and leak all over the floor while screaming. You know, if uh, Padma Sambilla had a uh, bachelor pad, would yes. it be called Pad Pad? Uh, I'm pretty sure he would call it that, yes. Okay. Episode 5. Eternal Sunshine of the Great Intelligence. Pad repeats himself to Victoria, but a bit more clearly this time as she must not have gotten the no alternative part before. I know I didn't. In an attempt to press the young lady, Pad shows her his moves, but I think he's been out of the game for some time as his moves involve moving the yeti pieces on a board and controlling their movements. Maybe he needs to read Neil Strauss's The Rules of the Game. Then he puts her into a trance and the yetis he's just moved move into the courtyard and split up and start destroying everything. One of the more, no- one of the more notable things they destroy is Rinchen's head. Travers awakens but can't remember anything useful. Tommy and the Doctor are busy making plans while Jamie is daydreaming about Victoria. Now speaking through Victoria, 
Pad goes to the monks and tells them all to leave. The strangers are to be treated with kindness and that he alone will stay behind. The doctor and court are released and Victoria screams to be taken away. There is great danger over and over and over in a trance-like state. Pad then starts complaining about the uh, great intelligence that he still hasn't let him retire, despite everything being complete now. Then the doctor comes in and Pad tells him that the great intelligence has been controlling him and is trying to gain material form. Using hypnotherapy, the doctor brings Victoria out of her trance, then using the tracker, discovers the controllers in the monastery. Travis suddenly remembers caves, and the great intelligence is starting to take form on the mountainside. Tip of the episode, don't read Neil Strauss's The Rules of the Game, unless you're a dick. Episode 6, The Return to Wars. Chris on bursts in and discovers Paddy's communicating with the Great Intelligence and is clobbered around the back of his head. He must have got bored with wiping people's memories. Watch out for Darren Brown going psycho soon. Pad begs the Great Intelligence to be released. And the Great Intelligence tells Abbott to tell everyone to leave. Chris undies as the Doctor comes in and then he explains that the Great Intelligence has been controlling the Abbott and Pad. Travers and Ralpachan plans to go to the cave and the pyramid. They pass Yetis heading to the monastery, who then stand guard. Travers and Ralpachan discover the using massive intelligence now covers the mountain. The doctor questions the abbot, who tells him how to get to the control room, whilst Jamie wonders how to get past Padma thingy. He definitely said that, didn't he? Yes. Because I was trying to find it in the transcript, but I couldn't find it anywhere. The Doctor goes into the Sanctum to face the Great Intelligence in a face-to-mind-control face battle. Or it could be a staring contest, I'm not quite sure which, or who's winning. The others rush in whilst the Great Intelligence is busy and start smashing the place up. As the Doctor loses control, the Yetis move in and not even Victoria's mental powers can stop him. With the Yetis not stopping, Jamie must pick which controls to destroy. With his first pick, the Yetis are still coming. Time is running out. He destroys another one, but the Yetis still come. Only enough time to destroy one more control. He must pick carefully. About to destroy the last control, when at the last minute he sees the control sphere and changes his mind. He immediately destroys it and the Yetis all explode just in time. So he didn't choose poorly then. <laughs> Travis enters and shoots bad but he matrixes the bullets away. Jamie then finds a pyramid control and destroys that. The mountain and the Great Intelligence formation explodes. With the Great Intelligence now gone, Pad has now found peace. He neither cloaks nor phases, but fades away. Outside, Travis spots a real Yeti and goes chasing after it. Jamie has to go somewhere warmer. Danger's okay, he just doesn't like cold apparently and he calls himself Scottish. And the moral of this is, never go with your original answer. Always change your mind and take the second. Wait, I mean the mountains are cold, wear fucking appropriate clothing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was your synopsis. So the Yeti guys? <laughs> yes. They reminded very much of the Gorgs to me. Of uh, what you Fraggle mean from Fraggle Rock? Rock? Yes, I just got that. 
Yes, they, they look exactly like them. Just lumber, big fat lumbering about things. They're a bit hairier than the the, the trash crap. No, I'm really things. annoyed. None of them went. Ooh, a fraggle. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> If Fraggles were a spin-off from Doctor Who. <laughs> well, if nothing else, I know how to spell abominable now. Yes, I think I already knew that. See also archaeology mm. and monastery. Yes, uh, I, I wasn't quite sure on monastery before. But yes, now I know how to. Uh, the thing is, when I did a course in archaeology, I learned how to spell archaeology simply by the fact that I had to type it in so what? <laughs> There's an A and an E and it... A, there's an A and an E and an O next to each other. What kind of stupid word is this? It's, yeah, I think you should do something a bit more properly spelled, like science. Well, I think the Yeti uh, must have used uh, one of the... You know, from uh, the early days, the old standing next to something to hide. Yeah, so truth. people couldn't see. Yeah. Because, uh, as I said during the first episode, there's a Yeti almost standing next to the Doctor that he never saw. But the thing about the Yeti is, you're, you're just thinking of, oh, poor Yeti. Just because they, they don't look menacing or evil in any way, they just look, you know, cute. A, a giant teddy bear. Thing. Yes. Really fluffy teddy bear. <laughs> oh, look at the Yeti. I don't think they look cute, though. The, the, it's just, just a giant hairy thing. Like Grizzlor from He Man, then. No, he, he, he had a big evil face. Cute. You're the one that finds the uh, adipose cute. They are cute. They're not cute. They're stupid. Everybody thinks they're cute, apart from you. Oh yeah. You evil little creature. No, we're doing that beer next time, or the time after. Continuity. There's one of the mm-hmm. uh, in the reconstruction. There's one of the pictures that looks like the Yeti are just. About, there's about three in formation. It looks like they're just about to do some kind of dance number. I just thought I mentioned that. There's there's one of them where they're just about walking into a door. Three of them, and they are almost dancing through the door. But they're just so in happy. the reconstruction. Yeah, they, they just seem to be. Maybe it was a musical, and we've been conned into thinking otherwise. Where was the music? <laughs> Yeah, that's Gav's what Gav thinks the Doctor Who thing is I don't know how it goes on it (laughs) This is why you always have difficulty when I play a Doctor Who theme and ask you which Doctor it is because you're trying to think, that's Doctor Who? I recognise it when I hear it I just can't sing it It's like a lot of things in life But we mentioned chess? I wrote it down, but I realize I have nothing to say about it. No, I don't know. Okay, shiny things. But yeah, I think uh, like most uh, most creatures, these yetis seem to be very distracted by shiny things. So they're like magpies of the Himalayas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just to just to they're, they're very easily distracted by shit. I mean, just to run away from when the, the doctor throws a shiny ball away. And ooh, ooh, shiny ball. <laughs> and Victoria opens the door. Ooh, distracted, and and they go out through the door. It must must be sh- shiny sun or something. I don't know. But it is very easy to distract the yetis and to get them to do something else. Maybe it's like maybe yetis are in fact nineties comics fans. 
with uh, with metal and lenticular mm-hmm. covers. I've got some of them. I thought you might. Are they involved in the clone saga in any way? Yeah. Yes, I thought they might. <laughs> it was one of the first few comics ever. <laughs> I wore that look nice and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I might start buying comics. <laughs> and now look at you. Pyramid of Spheres is an alternate title for this, I think. Also, Cave of Pyramids, Cave of mm. Spheres, you know, anything like that. Mm. Also, just to mention it. Cave of Yetis. Caves? There were caves in this? No. So far, I did a count. So far, mm. 23 epistories haven't had caves in it, but 15 have had caves in them. That's a good lot of uh, cave epistories. Yeah, well, when I was going through it from you know I was going through it from episode to episode at a time, caves was actually leading going into the first into the second series. But when the episodes were destroyed, the caves were destroyed with them. Uh, yeah. Let's go with that. So, Parmasambhava. Yes. Oh, slash um, the Great Intelligence. Oh yes, he's the great <laughs> intelligence. That's that's all I wanted to make of that joke. <laughs> this is the all singing podcast. <laughs> so so he's a disembodied voice for a part of it. Yes, for about the first three episodes. Which reminds me of Amno from the Underwater Menace, slightly, vaguely. But I kind of like how his was, vo- was he the god thing. The, yes, the, the the big statue, god thing. Yeah, yes, but it wasn't actually in it at all. But the doctor pretended to be him, or Ben did. Yeah. One of the it one was of those ben, idiots. I think. It's always Ben, isn't it? He's never the doctor. I, I like how the voice of the Padmasambhava or the Great Intelligence was was evil and then nice. It's kind of like the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. I can't remember that. He, when he was talking to Luke Skywalker towards the end, he's like, uh, "Oh, I'm afraid the, the, oh, I'm afraid that the Death Star will be quite operational when your friends appear." It reminded me very much of uh, of this. Also, you can't uh, you can't miss an opportunity to do an Emperor impression. The voice of uh, <laughs> of, of this guy was Wolf Harris. Who also appeared in, in a movie before this called The Abominable Snowman? Is that is that because it was like Alien to Aliens then? It's is there going to be Abominable Snowman three, in which uh, all the characters are killed off before the, the actual action happens? I hope not. I'm going to give you a card that you can just wave whenever you don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Padma Sambhava. Yeah. It looks like he's been sniffing glue at some point. It it looked like it is certainly on some sort of uh, narcotics of some description. <laughs> I bet you can't say description like that ever again if you try. <laughs> I bet I can say description like that again. Hooray. Uh he should have cut his nails as well. He had really really long nails. He's probably getting a bit too old to cut his nails. Is that what happens? You just get too old and you can't cut your own nails? Yeah. Especially if you're being controlled by the great intelligence. Oh, yes. He doesn't have time for nails. He's cutting. the great intelligence. 
Which is why I suspect that uh, that Padma Sambhava, the good one, not the great intelligence, was complaining to the great intelligence about being able to retire all the time. I did like that. Constantly saying, will you please let me go? Well, to be fair, I'm that's I've done like, what you said, that's, please. That's, that's like most people who work. <laughs> You've kept me alive all this time. Apparently was keeping him alive. It wasn't very nice. Or at once? Mm. I don't know. What well, wasn't? That's that a bit of a shitty contract he signed, isn't he it? He didn't seem to be having fun. Because, uh, right, I've, uh, I've reached uh, 80 now, uh, Great Intelligence. Can I tell you? No, you signed a contract. You are working till 300. But I'm not going to live. Oh, yes, you will. I'm going to keep you alive. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm afraid you will live till that age. Because he has to say everything really nice and then evil. Yes, you can have this cheese sandwich. But it is made of bees. <laughs> Not cheese? No, it's a bees chow sandwich. A bees chow sandwich. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. <laughs> can I retire now? Yes, you can retire now. In 300 years. He's an evil bastard, isn't he? <laughs> Although he's nice at some other times. If only you could, like, avoid what the second half of everything he says, it'd be fine. Just run out of the room once they started talking. So Just run hear, out of the room. So you only ever hear the first bit. With your hands over your ears <laughs> saying, Shut up, shut up, shut up! <laughs> la 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 la. Da, da, da. <laughs> it, it did also mention that uh, the great intelligence was wandering about in space. Doesn't sound so great. Depends. You you can get to see a, a, a lot of nothing. Yeah, you get to see far more nothing than something. You probably get to see uh, who, who that guy from the uh, from the Dalek story, the uh, the Guardian of the Galaxy. He wondered about you in space. Him. He wondered about in space as well. I wonder if the Buddhist Mavic Chen. Yes, that's him. Magic Chen, as uh, as the Doctor called him at one stage. <laughs> Magic Chen and the Great Intelligence. You know what happened to Magic Chen? He went on to play basketball. Did he? Mm-hmm. Was, was he good? He was magic. <laughs> Did he play for Orlando? Orlando Bloom? Orlando Magic. Is that like a thing? Uh, sports references? Yes. American sports references. You know, I don't get that. What? what? I don't even get cricket. And yes, another thing is, is they kept mm. calling him the Master. Stop talking about the Master. We have this and this and Evil of the Daleks. He's not going to be here for quite some time. But we don't know that. Well, we do, but we're not supposed to. <laughs> You're supposed to do these things. But this is a show about time travel. If we can't watch it from the future, you're, you're determined, what's the point? You're determined to... Uh, what am I so say, say, to? say that again. If we can't watch it from the future. You're determined to get Darren Brown. You're trying to hammer that Darren Brown joke in, aren't you? <laughs> this is the third reference to it. Was it? Darren Browning, everyone, you put down. Oh, yes. We're, we're further up, mind you. But Yes, Padma Sambhava was an old friend of the Doctor when uh, the Doctor last visited in 1630. I'm going to guess that. Yeah, half past five. So, so you visited, what, once, a few times, and apparently he's an old friend of the Doctor. Well, he, he gets friendly with people quickly. When you say he, friendly... He, he's a friendly guy, he's that first Doctor. 
he got on with everybody. No, he's, he recognised the second Doctor, <laughs> so it was the second Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, yeah. But he didn't recognise Jamie, so it must have been with Ben and Polly. Or... Oh, we left Ben and Polly and fucked off for a bit. As you would do. And then came up. Just to piss them off. <laughs> yes, I, I... One one thing I did like as well with the, the Great Intelligence was... Uh, towards the end when the Doctor came back and the Great Intelligence got pissed off. Why didn't you heed me warning? I told you to stay away. This isn't fair. <laughs> this is most bodacious. <laughs> this is the opposite of bodacious. <laughs> this is unbodacious. Totally. Yeah, it'd be much better if the Great Intelligence was played by someone like that. <laughs> or if the Great Intelligence this is was, not cool. was played by uh, Alexander Armstrong's uh, REF character. <laughs> I, <laughs> I told him I was wearing these trousers and they were like totally and then he was like fine <laughs> I would also have been the awesomeness Padma Sambhava when he died his head was meant to melt but then they, then they thought it was too uh, horrific mm. and too expensive and possibly too expensive but they did actually get someone in Doctor Who someone's head to melt eventually Whose head was that? In Dragonfire. Will that be? In uh, in the Seventh Doctor's first series. Someone's head head melted a la Raiders of the Lost Ark. So look forward to that. Yes. If we don't die before then. Fourteen years to go. Hey, just over two years and we'll be uh, at, the, at the Fourth Doctor. Just over two years. Not November, long to go, everyone. November 2015. <laughs> November 2015. November 2015. We'll be on the fourth doctor. Anyway, what was the great experiment that the great intelligence was uh, conducting? We never got to find that out, did we? Oh yes, it was the great <laughs> experiment. <laughs> I don't know. Was he was he trying to uh, get magnesium to react with uh, nitric acid? No. That was the great experiment. Apparently, it was his great experiment. It was either that or a silver nitrate. To deposit silver on a test tube, which may be the third time I've mentioned that particular experiment on this podcast. Is it? I've I've not been keeping track. No, I just remember mentioning it before, and when I mentioned it before, I remember mentioning it before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for at least ten without ever noting it down. Of course not. Why just would you notice? Why would you note these things down? Just the receding remembrance of it. And and also the great intelligence, yeah, was in uh, recent Doctor Who TV series. Yes, he was. As played by uh, that dude. Was he bodacious? He was very bodacious. Very very bodacious. It was it was played by that East End London gangster thing. I don't know what he's called. Richard E. Grant. That's him. Who also played the Doctor? Yes. Oh, you remember that at least? Which is out on DVD soon. Was that? What, what was that? Dream? Was that Dream? Dream? Dream Web? Or something? No. On Can't BBC remember. Webcast. What was it called? The Scream of the Shocker. That's it. Oh, you're trying to guess the title. No, you're yeah. thinking of Dream. 
What am I thinking of? Dream, a little dream of me. No, uh, I dream of Jane. You're thinking of that anim- other animation. I dream of Doctor. Yeah, that's it. You're listening to Drunken Time Travel. It's quarter past the hour. It's time for the beer interlude. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, so the reason dun, dun. this beer, Pyramid Hefeweizen, yes. is being drunk or drank is twofold. I'm listening for the second reason. The uh, the second reason is because uh, we had it when we went to visit America and watch the post-atomic horror being recorded live. Postatomichorror.com If you like Star Trek and comedy, or if you just like comedy, mm. you know what to do. It was, it was a long trip to watch a podcast being recorded live, <laughs> but it was worth it. It was to see friends. <laughs> oh, there was that too, yeah, sorry. <laughs> What is the first reason? What is reason the first? Uh, because Songston, the abbot, had a pyramid. He did have a, he had a pyramid of spheres. Yes, which was summoning the great intelligence. So he, he wrote down a postcard. You, you were right. Well done. Send that yes. postcard to us. <laughs> uh, drunken time travel, Scotland, and it may get to us. <laughs> More than likely would not, though. But yes, I, so are you, are I, I saw this, it reminded me of the America trip, and I, yes, I'm going to have to have that, and it fits in perfectly as well. Are you enjoying this libation break, Gav? Uh, I always enjoy the libation break. It is one of my favourite breaks. It's even better than a Kit Kat. I am enjoying this beer. It's it's a uh, it's a good one. It's a nice ale. It's a, it's a very light wheat beer. It does contain gluten. Yes, which I'm allergic to. Which, yep. which is a bonus. <laughs> fuck my digestive system, I don't care. Because fuck it. And another another bonus is you get 10 cents when you uh, refund at collection depots. Excellent, let's go. Let's go. It's, it's cost us, what, six, seven hundred quid to uh, get back to a depot? Yeah, I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, it's, we'll, uh, we'll it's, it's a nice ale. I, I would recommend this. As would I. Hooray! We're just recommending everything, really, aren't we? <laughs> I would recommend most wheat beers. Uh, there is There are very few wheat beers that I don't like. And it has pictures of pyramids on it, so that's always mm. good. Excellent. Would, would you put a sticker on it? I would put a sticker on it. Would you put a Shrek I, in it? I'll, 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 I'll go with it. I'll put a sticker on this one. Would you put a Shrek in I, it? Everything could do with a Shrek in it. Yeah, put a Shrek in it. We'll put a Shrek and a sticker on this one. Okay. Excellent. So let's talk about some of the monks. Some of the monks. Chrisong. Yes. He was one of the monks. He was he, he was one of these standard, oh look, he's bad, but he's not. And then you find out, oh, he's not really. He's actually quite nice. It's it's someone else that's bad. Kind of, kind of dealies. Uh, it it changed his tune a bit. He, 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 did he change his tune, or he, did we just see more information than we thought we had? I think he changed. He changed his moustache. He did not change his moustache. <laughs> the moustache was there uh, like a big bracket on his face. Terrible. So so the last one we had, uh, you've got you've got a uh, you've got a fried egg on your head. Or whatever it was. And now we've got you 
You've got a moustache on your face. You've got a bracket on your face. Yes. He had mouth brackets. Mouth. <laughs> mouth breather. But he was a mouth breather as well. No, it's, it's, it's not yours. <laughs> I want a flunk. But now going back to what you're saying is that, especially at the start, the, all, all the rest of the monks that were wanting to sort of take the time and deliberate and sort of think the best about the new visitors. Uh, Chris, on he he wanted to weigh straight in. No, he's uh, he's a bad one. Uh, we need to work, sort him out straight away. He's it's all us one that wants to book the trend. So he just doesn't want meetings. He just wants to go ahead now. Mm. And then he realised he was wrong, obviously. Obviously. And then died. And then died. Because the abbot was the one who was a bit naughty at the start. But he was being controlled by the Great Intelligence, who was being controlled by... No, he was being controlled by Padma Sambhava, who was being controlled by the Great Intelligence. And then somewhere there was an old lady who swallowed a cat. Fancy that. Mm. Do you know why she swallowed the cat? Uh, No. No, no no one does. It's a bit weird. Uh, The abbot's hat looked like a bird. That's why. That's why. Because she swallowed a bird. Uh, It looked like a bird. It looked like a bird. That's all I have to say on the matter of the abbot. Also, his name was Songston, and I keep reading, uh, kept reading it on the reconstruction as Springsteen. It's, uh, um, no, I didn't. No, I, I did. Let's get to the real person, one of the minor monks, Ralph. Ralph. Chan. or Ralph, as yes, I call him. Uh, uh, so, Stiltskin, he looked a bit like Burt Reynolds to me. Did he? Yeah. Don't you? I can barely even remember Ralpachan. Ralpachan. All, all I know about Ralpachan is his name. He looked a bit like Burt Reynolds, so that's why I went on and thought, and then I started thinking about the movie Deliverance with uh, with Yetis instead. I and can't remember much about Deliverance. Yeah. Archer likes it. Of course he does. Yeah, but now I just want to see, see that with uh, someone saying, squeal like a Yeti. <laughs> Oh, now you remember. <laughs> I remember that bit. Of course you do. Your, well, not the yet. It's your favourite bit. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more I remember about it. <laughs> I remember the important bit, that's all. That's the important bit, that's everything. The, uh, mm, the monastery itself on. had an idol, a Buddha idol, or as mm. uh, Fraser Hines called it on the uh, soundtrack, a Buddha. But he looked a bit bored to me. You thought he had a different expression, didn't you? I did I? So he looked a bit surprised. bored. Surprised. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking surprised. No, I don't think that was it. No. So I can't he, remember. Okay, so he looked a bit bored to me. We mentioned that. It, it did seem to fall down a bit later on. Though, he did it? fall down, yes. Yeah. It, it, it was falling asleep on his chair. Yeah, he looked bored, tired. God, this is boring. Me. <laughs> you are boring me with your yeti problems. Uh, Give the, me something real. And all the monks liked their sticks. They had a lot of sticks. So I'm guessing when the first doctor visited them, they thought, oh, I like that stick. I'm <laughs> going to keep that. So that, that's why they have all the sticks. Yeah, it, it went around poking them all, and so that's the way to go. Dun, dun, dun. The, uh, so bringing up bring, the Doctor who played the uh, Doctor Who theme on the recorder. Uh, 
A lot of people you, you said were mistaking him for Mel Torme. No, for no. the great Harry Beastie. Oh, right, the great Harry Beastie. Yeah, Jamie initially. And then uh, Travis as well. And I think that's it, actually. Well, well that, two's that's a lot. two people. I mean, it's no, it's no Caves thing, but you know. Yeah, Caves are dwindling. He's going to be taken over soon by the uh, Harry Beastie. <laughs> Mistaken thing. When... Uh... There was a bit where, where where the doctor was locked in a room with the great intelligence. Um, it reminded me a bit of Young Frankenstein, where uh, he was locked <laughs> in a room with with, uh, with 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 the monster. It just reminded me of that because he said because he said just before going in, well, the doctor didn't. I don't know, but uh, Doctor Frankenstein said mm. just before being put in the room, he says, "Whatever you hear from in here, do not open the door." And then he went in, and they locked the door, and the creature came awake, and he came around and said, let me out. God save let me out. I was joking. I cannot remember that. Yeah. I have only seen it once. Though. Have you only seen it once? It was a nightmare. It wasn't quite a nightmare. <laughs> but the, the Doctor was displaying uh, some mind powers in this one. He does. Yes, he's displayed occasionally. He displays his mind powers. I remember the Seventh Doctor doing the same kind of thing. Yeah, is is this the first time he's displayed the mind powers? <laughs> I believe uh, I can't remember any other times. Any, if, if, it, if he did it before, no. it was with his magic ring, if you recall. Yeah, uh, th- this is a new trick to his repertoire, isn't it? Repertoire. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's, let's ignore that bit. Uh, yeah, he stole a Ganta, apparently, which is some kind of bell when he last arrived. Mm-hmm. And he thieved it, but then I suppose he's towed in the TARDIS, so, you know. Yeah, he's... He's just a kleptomaniac, yeah, basically. he's a klepto. I wonder what else he's stolen. He stole my heart. Well, besides companions as well. Because <laughs> he thieved Victoria. <laughs> he did thieve Victoria with permission, though. Permission from... From my father. Oh, right. Not uh, the thieving guild. Then. No, no. They hadn't been set up, man. Speaking of Jamie, yes, because I just decided we were. Okay, let's pretend we were speaking of Jamie. Does he? Did he? Uh, he says he said about the yeti. No human is as strong as that, and I'm like, it, it's not human. That's why it's not. That's why it's strong. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeti. <laughs> It's it's like a big bear thing. It, it's stronger than a human. It's it's actually a robot, but yet yet again, still yeah. not a human. Yeah. <laughs> and he did call someone a wee bit daffy. Oh, did he call a wee bit daffy? I don't know. Duck, some kind of duck. I don't know. Mm. We'll return to that at the end. Yes, and uh, is oh, is plan to capture the yeti. Yes. As well, it what. It's a massively intricate plan of uh, throwing a net over it. What did the net think of that? Uh, she was happy with it. Okay. Mm. As long as she wants, you know, I don't want to upset. She had to wear some really baggy clothes. Oh, she's got plenty. The Raggy Dolls theme has popped into my head. Just, just. Raggy Dolls. <laughs> Raggy Dolls. Dun dun dun. <laughs> dun dun dun. He had a sword as well, because he went back into the TARDIS when he saw the Yeti, and he was like, I'll get my sword, and I was thinking, finally. He didn't see the Yeti, he saw the, the footprints. 
Big see, footprints. He's incredibly cautious. He was like, I see these footprints. I'm fucking getting my sword. Because <laughs> yeah. he turned into Malcolm Tucker there. <laughs> and then there was the bit where Jamie and his sword versus the Yeti. It, it wasn't a very big fight, man. No, on account of it being a reconstruction. Mm. And the Yeti. What the fuck's that stick? And, and yeah. they break it in two. Yeah. And then fall under all these rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Victoria, our favourite character. Oh, you mean sarcastic? I don't know if I was or not. Um, she's alright. She's no Zoe, but we'll get to her. She she was smug about knowing about the, where they were, which was in the Himalayas. But but then she didn't actually know that because because Jamie was didn't know about the Himalayas on account of being from like the 18th century. And she was like, "Oh, don't you know where the Himalayas are? They're in India." And the doctor was like, "Well, actually, we're in Tibet." So shove it. <laughs> the Himalayas are still in India. They are, but they weren't in India. They were just on the other side. She, she had good ball control, apparently. Gav, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she saved the day uh, on a couple of occasions. What did she do? Yes, uh, on, on one occasion, she, as I mentioned earlier, she opened up the door to let the Yetis out. Because all they wanted to do was go out and play. Were they scratching the door to get out? (laughs) Yeah, that's apparently all they wanted to do, get out and play. So she opened the door and out they went, stopped killing the monks and went out to play. That was good. And she discovered that the uh, control spheres, the balls, controlled the entities as well. That was good of her. Tommy Tommy, uh, tried to feed her again. Like like the Daleks did in Evil of the Daleks. So there's a bit of a theme going where people try to feed her. It's not like she's looking anorexic or anything. No, she looks fine. Yeah. Just people want to feed her, apparently. I don't know whether mothering her or what. can't see Daleks mothering people. But, you know, maybe, know. Some, maybe she's giving off some sort of pheromone. Makes people do that. Maybe. Maybe when they get back into the TARDIS, the doctor's trying to shove uh, candy bars from the the machine thing down the throat. He's trying to shove what? I said candy bars. <laughs> oh, but right, okay. It, it could be like egg bars or whatever. <laughs> it I could mean. be scissor bars that <laughs> Susan has left in. So everything that comes after that machine is in a fucking bar. Here's <laughs> a breakfast for you. It's a bar of breakfast. It's a bar of soap. <laughs> And then, of course, she had the bit where she was possessed by uh, the Great Intelligence, and she was said to the Doctor, Take me away! Take me away! Take me away! Mm-hmm. Which led me to think she'd been possessed by Ben. Or Mel. Well, Ben, because he just wanted to go back. Why? Because he always wanted to go back home. Yeah, but she screamed first. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe it's in conglomeration of the two. Bell or men. <laughs> <laughs> She was possessed by men. She was possessed by <laughs> Bellend. Ah, yes. <laughs> she she proved to be possibly the world's greatest uh, escapist in this as well. Actually, she well, she escaped on. from prison three times. Three times? That's quite good yes. for a Doctor Who. It is. <laughs> oh, and also, when she was in a trance, how, how did we know? How were we supposed to guess? Uh, due to the repetitiveness of the speech. Again, how how are we supposed to know? I see what you're trying to imply there. Uh, I'm I'm not falling for it. You just made a date. (laughs) (laughs) 
And and she was <laughs> and for a while we haven't had this, but she she just just to tell like people from the nineteen mm. thirties. Oh, by the way, we 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 travelled in time. Could could you not do that? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the probably had a meeting, but so you know what we had for a while. Like Barbara just telling everybody that we're travelling time. Yeah. We, we get I, think we, we I think we should give the tourists a and and then the, was it Tommy she told I think, and he was like, oh yes, I guess that. What? I'm not surprised by that because Padma Sambhava does weird shit as well, and she's like, oh yeah, well we do more weird shit than that. Mm-hmm. And then they had a weird shit contest. What's Have this? you ever had a weird shit contest? No. Because <laughs> I'd win. Oh. It's no contest. Obviously. So, uh, lastly, moving on to Travers, then. What makes him a, ye- uh, a expert? What makes him a yeti? Well, yes. What makes experts a yeti? <laughs> I think it'd be great if more experts wore yeti were, were yetis, because then you could have like BBC, like Sky News or BBC News or Fox News, and now we go to an expert, and it's just a yeti sitting in the studio <laughs> talk, talking about I don't know the. Uh, the, 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 stock, the, the stock market, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 the economy. Because the funniest thing ever is a Yeti talking about the economy. Well, Frank, I think that. Um, uh... <laughs> oh, a fraggle. <laughs> and how did he use the, the Yetis are friendly as well? I don't know. Ooh, how can he be such an expert in something that he's never seen? Or nobody has ever seen in his nice bed. Oh, Yetis are friendly. Best mate. I'll go out drinking him all the time. Well, I, I can tell you how he's an expert in Yetis, having never seen them. See also the economy. And religion. Oh, he went there. Yeah. <laughs> so, apart from uh, from that, what was his role just to watch the cave? All he ever seemed to do was go to the cave and watch it. He came back after going to the cave and he spent a couple of episodes not remembering the cave, then he went back to the cave to watch it again. He was just fascinated by the cave. Because we never see caves in Doctor Who. We haven't seen a cave in a few episodes. In like four episodes or something. I know, I was shocked that it was in this. And, 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 uh, yeah, he just decided to watch the cave in the Himalayas, which had no snow in it whatsoever. It was filmed in Wales, apparently, because um, they went up like Snowdonia, which didn't have any snow at the time. Was it wet Donia? It was wet Donia at the time, which was why, because there was a lot of the people in the Yeti costumes kept falling over because of the wetness, which is probably a good thing it doesn't exist anymore this episode, because it would only be on you've been framed with hilarious sound effects. Oh, that Yeti's falling over. But yeah, he, yeah, your your thing, Willie Parker. Was that my thing? That was your thing. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You just thought it would be fine to be out in in the Himalayas with with a uh, with a coat on and a woolly hat. Mm-hmm. A bit like Jamie. He had a coat. Mm. No wonder he's cold. Yeah. Mm. Well, yes, it, it is no uh, formal attire for uh, Himalaya wear. And uh, Travers was played by Deborah Watling's father. Ever watching being Victoria. Mm. Thank you. And good. My quote 
before I have <laughs> such a thing. Do you know? Yes. That's... Is is uh, Doctor talking to Jamie about his fantastic plan? And it goes thusly. Have you thought up some clever plan, Doctor? Yes, Jamie, I believe I have. What's he going to do? Bang a rock at it. And my quote mm-hmm. uh, will be, I think, the Doctor talking to Jamie also. Uh, just basically mentioned that he's not going to be beaten. How does it go? It uh, it goes just like thusly. I'm tempted to ask her what happened, but I don't think I dare probe too deeply. The important thing is to get rid of this implanted fear. It's growing every minute. What if you can't? Oh, we shall just have to do as she asks and take her away. If we don't, yes? she'll go out of her mind. What? Well, that's the object of the exercise. To get us away from the monastery. <laughs> but I'm not beaten that easily. Hey, you're taking an awful risk. I know what I'm doing, Jamie. I am partial of that. So, the abominable snowman. Your, yes. Uh, your final thoughts, Cal? It's a bit long. It's a bit long. Yeah, it's a bit long. Very 11th Doctory, I thought. Or maybe 11th Doctory was very 2nd Doctory, more of it. Well, yeah, it, it, it did say that was his favourite Doctor in the end. Hmm. It well, based a lot of his performance on it, yeah. But I quite liked it. It, it, it was okay. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I cute monsters and uh, the companions had more to do than. You know, Jamie had more to do than the two minutes I met. And the Doctor had a few things to do. Yeah. It, Good it, characters. Yeah, the story ventured a bit here and there, and it, it didn't really stagnate anything. It was, as I said, probably a bit long, but it didn't get really boring or anything. It, it, would, be pretty, it would be decent. So next time, I am doing a Drunken Time Travel History. Yes. And then I'm doing the Ice Warriors. Are you synopsizing the Ice Warriors? Yes. Huh? I think I should, yes. And our quote today comes from Hugo the Abominable Snowman from Looney Tunes. Take it away, Hugo. Hugo. Just what I always wanted, my own little bunny rabbit. I will name him George and I will hug him and pet him and squeeze him. So please validate our existence by rating, commenting or liking us on uh, iTunes or Facebook. Happy sleep time everyone. Happy sleep time everyone. Episode 4. The Not So Great Escape. The Yeti Bakes feet. <laughs> oh, what? Sorry, I read the moral. <laughs> Sorry. The Yeti breaks free of his ghost trap and chases Victorian Tommy. <laughs> Stop laughing. I'm not I wasn't even laughing with I just try not to. Fine now, fine now, fine now. You've got me laughing now. I'm fine. I'm not. <laughs>